0: Welcome to Bangalore Revival Centre, a church dedicated to loving God and serving people. Today, we have Pastor Pridhi teaching us from the series, Hallowed Be Thy Name. The revelation that he would be sharing today is from the name Yahweh Nisi. Hope this will minister to you today. Are you ready? Let's read this scripture, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 9. This has been the verse that we've gone back to again and again throughout this entire season. What does it say? Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The word hallowed means to be glorified or to be honored or to be lifted up. And Jesus taught us to pray this prayer that says, hallowed be your name or may your name be lifted up. May your name be honored in every area of my life. Let your name be honored. Amen. When we pray that prayer, when we want to live our lives in such a way that God's name is honored in everything that we do, where God's name is lifted up in every area of our life, when we, when we make each decision in our life in accordance to that, when we make each choices that we make in accordance to uh, saying, how can I hallow His name, how can I glorify His name? How can I lift up his name? Then our lives will be centered around the glory of his name. And that kind of life is what will bring honor and praise to him. Amen. The Bible talks about a prayer in the book of Sam 116 verse 4. If you read Sam 116, it's a prayer that is prayed in a time of storm it is a prayer that is prayed in time of terror it's a prayer that is prayed in time of death Uh, you would see this psalmist he is praying you would see that this is a psalm that is prayed that is read out and that is sung in a time of problem and the Bible says that in my time of need in my time of trouble In my time of struggle, in my time of uh, challenges, I called on the name of the Lord. What did I do? In that time, I called on the name of the Lord. And what did I say? Lord, please save me. Please, Lord, save me. And, and, you know, so often what happens with us is uh, when we are going through a difficult time, We call on our own name and our own goodness and our own righteousness. We try to tell God how much we are worthy to receive this breakthrough. How much we have worked hard to uh, receive this healing. How much we have worked hard for this victory. But the Bible says, in my time of need, I did call on my name. I called on the name of the Lord. And I asked him, please, Lord, come and save me. And so my question to you this morning is what are you banking on when you go through troubles times or when you go through difficult seasons what are you banking on on your own name on your own righteousness on your own good works or his righteousness and what he has done for us what he has accomplished for us what are you banking on are you ready this morning are you ready in this season to shift your focus from yourself him and say, Lord, when I'm in trouble, I'm not going to go looking for what I have done right. I'm going to go looking for what you have done right for me, what you have spoken over my life, what you have blessed me with, what you have released in every area of my life. And the Bible says the next verse in the same chapter and verse 13, the Bible says, I will lift up the cup of my salvation and praise the Lord's name for saving me. So before he had salvation, he called on the name of the Lord. And after he got saved, the Bible says, after that, what I'm going to do is I'm going to lift up the cup. Everybody say lift up the cup. (laughs) So there is this salvation that I received from God. There is this freedom and healing and deliverance and breakthrough that I received from God. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to lift up this cup of salvation. I'm going to lift it up before God and I'm going to praise the Lord's name for saving me. Amen. So what he's saying is, I'm not going to take my blessing, my breakthrough for granted. What I'm going to do is for the blessing that I have already received, I'm going to praise His name. I'm going to thank Him. Last Sunday, I taught you the difference between praise and worship. Praise is voluntary. Worship, it just happens naturally, normally, when you have an encounter with God. And here, he's not saying that I'm going to worship God. Here, he's saying, I'm going to voluntarily with my nefesh. Do you remember my nefesh? Soul which means it, it is your emotions, worshiping with your emotions, worshiping with your strength, worshiping with your passion, your desire, your will, everything on the inside of you. You're saying, I am going to praise the Lord's name. It is an active, voluntary choice that I'm going to make to praise the name of the Lord because He has saved me. He has given me this salvation. So I'm going to lift up the cup of salvation. Amen. Amen. So there is, this, there is this blessing, there is this importance in lifting up our cup of salvation, lifting it up, lifting it up as a testimony for people to see, for generations to hear, for our families to know and testify and agree along with us. Usually what we like to do is to hide our miracles, hide our breakthroughs. You know, we we don't think it is important enough. But what he says is, no, what I'm going to do is I'm going to make a testimony out of this. That's why I asked you guys to share if you have a testimony this morning. So often when we come to church, we are not sharing our testimonies. We are sharing our prayer requests. We are sharing our needs this is not going okay, this area of my life, everything is in a chaos, this area, everything. we are just, you know, sharing all those needs in our life rather than lifting up our cup of salvation. If you don't have anything else, has the Lord saved you? Has the Lord given you eternal life? Then you can lift up that cup of salvation before God and you can praise the Lord's name for saving you, Amen. I don't think you can have a bigger blessing than salvation. I don't think you can ever have something greater than experiencing salvation. Amen? If you have experienced salvation, then that itself is the greatest blessing or the greatest miracle that you can experience. And this morning, we need to be talking more about our testimonies than our tests and our trials. You know, we, we, we are so experts in talking about, oh, I'm going through a very testing time. But tell me your testimony, brother. Tell me your testimony. Tell me what the Lord has done for you. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Not that let the redeemed of the Lord stay silent and meditate on what the Lord did for you. No, say so. Open your mouth loud and speak it out. Declare it out. Sing it out. Praise the name of the Lord for saving me. Amen. Amen. Verse 17, it says, I will offer you a sacrifice of thanksgiving and I will call on the name of the Lord. So what the psalmist is saying is, first, I was in need. And when I was in need, I called on the name of the Lord, saying, please, save me. And after he saved me, what did I do? I lifted up my cup of salvation, making it known for people. See, when you lift up something, what are you doing? You're making it public, right? You're making it visible for everybody to see. Now he says, now I will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. So that, you know, now it's no longer just a testimony. Now I'm going to build an altar in that very same place where I received a breakthrough. Now I'm going to make this testimony into my memorial point. A place where I can remember for generations to come. You know, whenever you, in the Old Testament, whenever the Lord did something amazing, you will see this in the life of Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob all these guys whenever there was a breakthrough that the Lord released in their lives The Bible says they would immediately build an altar in that place Not when they get back home and when everything is fine when they have enough security No, right then and there one night Jacob woke up and saw a dream You know in the dream God was assuring him that he is with him. Don't worry. I'm with you What did Jacob do? he woke up and built an altar over there immediately come on how many of us would build an altar over a dream that you received in the night forget about forget about important events like uh, your your you know a, a breakthrough or a healing or a, a testimony or a birthday or an anniversary all of these are i mean big events that you have to you should definitely but here is a man who is ready to build a sacrifice who is ready to offer a sacrifice just because God spoke to him in a dream he immediately activated his honor his response to God by sacrificing right then and there and he said I'm going to build an altar because I have heard from God I'm going to build an altar because God has spoken to me amen Now, I want to encourage you, church, you know, in this season, the Lord has been speaking to so many of you. The Lord has been revealing himself to so many of you. The Lord has been blessing each and every one of you. I I know I've been receiving your testimony, so I know what God has been doing for you. Are you intentional in just, you know, lifting up your cup of salvation? Are you intentional in speaking about it? And are you willing to go one step further and building an altar, immediately building an altar? Don't, don't let that blessing go away. I mean, don't, let, don't wait for that blessing uh, to, to fade off. You know, something that my wife and I, we do is as soon as we heard of a healing in our family, immediately we built an altar. As soon as God promised us a healing, we built an altar. As soon as we, we heard a voice from God giving us a clarity over something We immediately built an altar Why? Because we believe that the Bible de- you know, declares and encourages us to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving You cannot do give thanks if it is not sacrificial How many of you know that? You know how thank you is a very cheap word now? Because saying thank you doesn't cost us anything, right? Thank you, Jesus. Give thanks. We sing that song, right? And now let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. We we happily sing that song and we walk away thinking that, hey, God understood. God understands. But it says, he's he's not saying that I I, uh, mouth five seconds of thanksgiving to Jesus. He's saying I built a sacrifice of thanksgiving for God. I built an altar and called upon the same name of the Lord that gave me that victory. See, when I was going through death, when I was facing death, I called upon the name of the Lord and, that, and God saved me, God helped me. And when God did help me, I testified, I lifted up the cup of salvation and then what I did is I would sacrifice a thanksgiving offering. In that very same place where the name of the Lord was revealed to me now I want to take you to this one story in the Bible where Moses did something like this where God gave a victory to Moses and what Moses did was immediately he built an altar and he worshiped the Lord and he honored the name of the Lord in that place amen let's go to Exodus chapter 17 now there's a lot of significance to this particular story Because this is the first time the Israelites are entering into a battle. They have never fought a war before. Never. I don't think other than Abraham that to back in the day of uh, uh, even before Isaac was born when he went into battle for uh, Lot to bring Lot out of captivity. Other than Abraham, I don't think Isaac has gone into any battles. I don't think Jacob Joseph any of these guys have fought any wars These guys are not warriors. These guys are not trained for war They are trained to carry bricks They are trained to be slaves. They are trained to follow orders You know their story right for 400 long years. They were in captivity and When God brought them out, God fought their battles. They did not have to fight any battle. Did you know that? They did not have to do a thing. They did not have to move a muscle. They did not have to fast and pray or nothing. They just had to align themselves. They had to eat the right meal. They had to just paint the door red with the blood of the lamb and they were safe. They had to remain in alignment to Moses and they could cross the Red Sea. They were protected in the, by the cloud of glory and the pillar of fire. They were, they, were, they were having royal treatment. But for the very first time, the Bible says, when the people of Israel were still in Rephidim, that's the first place that, that they faced an attack. The Bible says not ordinary people, but warriors of Amalek, came out to attack them. Who came? Warriors. Warriors. And who are these guys? Slaves. These guys have no idea about how to fight a battle. These guys have no idea on how to escape this situation. This is a new land for them. They have never been in this place. You understand, right? For 400 years, they've been living in Egypt. They are not used to fighting in the wilderness. They are not used to fighting in open plains. First of all, they are not used to fighting. Second, everything is against them. They, they don't have advantage in this place, right? The Bible says in the next verse, Moses, it says, why, it says, Moses, he commanded Joshua and he told him, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Because tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. Now, this is Moses, right? Moses is the man that God has been using to bring these guys out of the uh, land of slavery into the land of promise. Now, Moses gives a commandment to them. What is the commandment? I, I want you to pay attention to the words. It says commanded. Everybody say commanded. It says, Moses, what did he do? He commanded Joshua to stay there, to, to, to pick up the warriors from other people and to go out and fight the army of Amalek. Now, see, in the previous seasons, God would give them strategy. In the previous seasons, God would tell them how to fight the Pharaoh and how to overcome the Red Sea and all of that. In this particular season, The Bible says, Moses told Joshua what to do and Joshua obeyed. And and so here we see the first key to this particular revelation that we are about to receive. We see the key of obedience. The Bible talks about how Moses gave a commandment to his second in line, Joshua, and Joshua just obeyed. He did not question it. Joshua, by the way, has never been into battle. This is his first war experience. Joshua doesn't know, he has not been trained for war. You know, he, he… Moses, on the other hand, he has been trained in Pharaoh's house. Joshua, he has never been trained. See, if I was in Joshua's place, I would say, Moses, you know better about warfare than I do, why don't you come with us, you lead us into battle, we will follow your example. But Joshua says, okay, if Moses says go, I will go. And so it was extremely, it was extremely important for Joshua to obey so that they can experience this victory. Now, let me tell you this, many victories that we do not experience in our life is not because God is not fighting for us, it's not because God is not working for us, it is because we are not obedient enough to our Moses We are not obedient enough to the voice that we are receiving. We are not obedient enough to the instructions that the Lord is giving us in that particular season. See, what we try to do is, we try to depend on the instruction we received in the last season. Last time God told us to do this. Okay, I'll stick to that. No, you need an instruction for this particular season. When you're faced with a battle, the first thing you need to be looking for is a word from god that you can obey and sometimes that word comes from a man sometimes that word comes from somebody you're familiar with somebody that god is appointed to to take you to the promised land somebody who's not perfect but he is an appointed person by god or she is an appointed person by god to take you into your promised land And it is necessary that you align and obey that voice so that you can walk in victory. And then Moses tells them, he says, hey, this is what I'm going to do. I'm not coming with you, but I am going to elevate myself. I will stand on top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So what he's saying is, I cannot remain on the same level as you are, Joshua. Joshua, I want you to go and fight. I want you to pick a few men and go and fight this battle, but I'm not going to fight with you. What I'm going to do is I'm going to be on a higher plane. I'm going to just elevate myself. I'm going to disconnect myself from the practical needs and the things that you got to do. And I'm going to be in a place of a, a different dimension. And from there, I'm going to lift up the staff of God in my hand. Now what is the staff of God in Moses' hand? That is his cup of salvation. Because the staff of God reminds him how the Red Sea was split. The staff of God reminds him of the ten plagues in Egypt. Because all of them originated, it began with this particular staff. Because when God encountered Moses, the first thing that God asked him is what is in your hand? You know, when Moses said, I can't do this, I am not able to do this. God said, what is in your hand? And God used the ordinary thing that was in his hand to become a testimony for him. Now, what Moses is saying is, see, this is my cup of testimony. This is my history with God. I don't care about what God has spoken or not spoken about the battle in front of me. But I know what God has done in my past. And this is my cup of salvation. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to elevate myself. And I'm going to lift up the cup of my salvation. And I'm going to call upon the name of the Lord. And some of you have to activate that cup of salvation in your life in this season. Some of you need to begin to thank God and lift up the name of God for what he has done in your past. Instead of focusing on those areas of your life that you still don't have a breakthrough, can you lift up your cup of salvation? Can you lift up that rod of God's work in your past, in your yesterday? The Bible says, Moses told them, I'm not going to be here with you guys, but I'm going to be lifting up the cup of salvation and I want to lift it up above these guys. These guys are on this level, so I'm going to climb a hill and I'm going to go as high as possible and from there, I'm going to lift up my cup of salvation. Amen? The Bible says in the next verse, verse 10, so Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Malek he did not doubt he did not question back the very next verse it says Joshua went and obeyed Moses did not did not you know hesitate to obey Moses the bible says meanwhile parallelly as Joshua obeyed see this has to happen parallelly our faith and our trust and our worship and our obedience has to go hand in hand we cannot say i will obey but I don't know if I can talk about my past. I don't know if I can lift up my cup of salvation. I don't know if I can uh, talk about my history with God. We have to grow in our faith and we have to grow in our obedience at the same time. We have to grow in our declarations and our worship and our praise, and we have to grow in our active obedience to physical instructions that God has given us at the same time. It says, meanwhile, moses and aaron and hur they climbed to the top everybody say top Top. he climbed to the top of a nearby hill amen he 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 said this cup of salvation has to be at the top of this place amen verse 11 then he says and as long the bible says as long as moses held up the staff in his hand the israelites had the advantage Do you remember me telling you that Israelites originally did not have any advantage in Rephidim because they are new to this land they don't know the people of Amalek, they've heard stories about them but they don't know them, they don't know their war strategies, they've never been in a war, they've never been in a battle, they are clueless about how to fight a battle but the Bible says as long as the cup of salvation was up as long as the rod as long as the staff was held high, the Bible says that Israelites who should naturally not have any advantage, these same Israelites had supernatural advantage isn't that amazing and the Bible says but whenever he dropped his hand the Amalekites gained the advantage now, how many of you know this as God ordained as, as this man Moses was he was still a human being. He still had his weak points. He still had his lack of strength. He still had weak hands and he dropped his hands down. And so, so can you imagine how Joshua would feel? He's fighting, 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 gaining victory, gaining victory and then he will have two, three, four, five bad days because somebody else who was supposed to keep the cup of salvation up dropped his hand down. The Bible says whenever Moses kept his hand up, he would have advantage. So there was a direct connection between lifting up this rod, lifting up the cup of salvation and the battle that was being fought on the physical. You understand what I'm saying? Now, some of us, what we do is we resort to only either or. Either do this or do that. No, we need both we need to keep our hands up and at the same time we need to be fighting the battle on a physical practical real personal front we need to do both amen Amen. verse 12 the bible says moses arms soon became so tired that he could no longer keep them up no longer hold them up so aaron and hur what did they do they found a stone for him to sit on Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. See, this was something that Moses only could do. Because it was Moses' stuff. Aaron and Hur lifting up the cup of salvation wouldn't do. Somebody else lifting up your cup of salvation will not help you. You need to lift up your own cup of salvation you need to be bold about your stories as hurtful as painful as challenging as they may be you need to be testifying and declaring what God is doing in your life and what God has done in your life in the past on your own and the Bible says what Aaron and Hur did was they came along Moses side and they gave him a seat to sit on they positioned him well because finally, come on, how long can you keep your hand up? Have you ever tried that? I have tried that one night. One night the Lord told me to pray the whole night with my hands up. Oh my God, that was, that was worse than You know, you've, I don't know if you've had punishment in your school days for when the teacher will ask you to keep your hand up. That was what, 35 minutes, 45 minutes, that will be the length of a period, right? And here, the Lord just pushed me to do this for a whole night. I didn't know the significance of it back then. But now I understand when I read this story. And, uh, and man, it was the most difficult thing to do. And Moses, the Bible says, he reached a point where as anointed as he was, his physical strength wore off. And God gave him to men, Aaron and Hur, who could hold his hands up. Amen. Can I pray this over you? May the Lord bless you with an Aaron and a Hur. May the Lord give you divine, complimentary, supplementary people that will come in to support you to hold your hands up in your time of need, in your time of battle. When you are about to give up, the Lord will wake somebody else up in a, in their, you know, they may be sleeping, least bothered about the fact that you are facing a spiritual battle. But the Lord will wake up somebody else with your name and with your picture to rise up and fight for you. Amen. May may you not have to fight your battles on your own in this season. Nobody in this family. If you are a member of this family, if you are a member of this house, you do not have to fight your battles on your own. Because you are aligned to the voice that is being released by this house on this stage, by this uh, in this season, whatever God is speaking, He is speaking to all of us. So, the next level that you're walking into, may the Lord give you the right people that can fight battles with you. This week, some of you are going to get text messages from. Your friends, your church members saying, I saw you in a dream in the middle of the night. I don't know what you were doing. I don't know what was going on in your life, but the Lord was pushing me to pray for you. The Lord was pushing me to hold your hands up high. The Lord was pushing me to give you a seat to sit upon, to comfort you, make sure that you are not stressed out too much. The Lord just pushed me to support you. Some of you are going to be supported financially. Some of you are going to be supported physically. Some of you are going to get supported in a spiritual manner. It doesn't matter, but you are going to be blessed by Aaron and a Hur in your life. You do not have to fight nobody in this house. Let me, let me say this. None of you in this house is an orphan. None of you have to think that you're on your own, that I have nobody for myself. Nobody, nobody. That is a lie from the pit of hell. That is a lie that the enemy has been speaking for generations to convince people of God that I'm doing this all by myself. The Bible talks about Elijah and Elijah, it says, Elijah thought he's the only one serving God, but God had to remind him, no, no, no. You're not alone. You have 7,000 others who, have, who are ready to fight this battle for you. Who are, 7,000 others who are ready to fight against these prophets of Baal. Do you know that Elijah, when he established this victory, you, do you know that that day 400 prophets of Baal got killed? Who killed them? Who killed them? Do you think Elijah alone killed them? You know... I mean, the, the Lord, you know, Elijah's tendency was to believe that I'm, on, I'm all alone. I don't have anybody. I don't have anything. I don't have any human support. I, I wish I could just, you know, I could just die. I don't see any hope of persisting in this anymore. That was Elijah's tendency. But God said, no, I have, I have preserved for myself somebody, someone else that is going to fight for you, alongside you. They've, some of them are not even given authority above you You know, Moses was being helped by two guys Who were not even above him They were beside him or beneath him They were not his leaders they were le- Moses was their leader And still these guys were helping Moses Does it make sense? Here is an Aaron and a Hur Who is helping in keeping Moses' cup of testimony up in the air Amen And the Bible says, Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. Amen. I love the next verse. Are you ready for this? The next verse says, As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Have you ever, have you felt in this season especially, have you felt overwhelmed in, in, in certain circumstances? Have you felt overwhelmed? Have you felt that this is too much for me to handle? I cannot take it anymore? Have you felt those experiences? Have you had those encounters with your enemy, with your challenges where you feel that? Oh, no. I don't know how long I can take this. I am at the, I'm at the verge of giving up. Can I, can I speak that the tables are going to turn? Everything that is causing you to be overwhelmed, you will overwhelm that. You will overwhelm your enemy. You will overwhelm your Amalekites. You are not going to be overwhelmed by them. See, you may be, you may not, naturally you may not have any advantage. Naturally you may not have any anything to bank upon but you are going to overwhelm your enemy in the mighty name of jesus you are going to have the final say says the lord you are going to come out of this battle victorious not because of your own might and power but because you trusted in the voice of this moses that gave you an instruction Because you were willing to lift up the cup of salvation. Because you were helped by an Aaron and a Hur. Who will lift up your hands in a time of war. When you are weak. When you cannot fight your battle anymore. The Lord provided you with your Aaron and Hur. Who will will hold your hand up high. Amen. Are you ready for the next verse? Verse 14. The Bible says. And then after the victory. Everybody say, after the victory. victory. Did you remember in Psalm 116, there were three levels? Before the victory, during the victory, and after the victory. Before the victory, what did he do? He called upon the name of the Lord saying, please save me. During the victory, he, he, he lifted up the cup of salvation and he praised the name of the Lord for saving him. And after the victory what did he do he built a sacrifice of Thanksgiving because and and praise the name of the Lord who had already saved him amen now check this out after the victory the Lord instructed Moses so the instruction from God did not come before the victory the instruction from God did not come during the battle instruction came after the battle was over after the, um, uh, the the lifting up of cup of salvation everything was over all of that was an act of faith all of that was in obedience to the moses's voice amen and after all of that was done the bible says then the lord instructed moses write this down on a scroll as a permanent reminder and read it aloud to joshua I will erase the memory of Amalek from under heaven. So what God is saying is hey you were able to overwhelm you were able to overwhelm Amalekites now but that's not enough. These Amalekites will come back to fight you. These Amalekites they will come back to try to gain victory over you. These Amalekites they want to come back to try and exercise dominion over you and so God is now speaking to Moses and he's saying now if you need to make a memorial Out of this victory you need to write this down You need to make a memorial out of this and when you do make a memorial out of this. This is what will happen this Temporary victory will become a permanent victory that I will erase the name of Amalek from under heaven So what did Moses do? Let's read what Moses do, okay? Verse 15, so what did Moses do? So when when God told him to write this down, what did Moses do? Moses, what he did is, he built an altar there and he named it Yahweh Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. Wait a minute, Moses. I thought you were going to write down something. But Moses, what he says is, listen to me, when I build an altar to God, this is the biggest testimony that I can have. This is the biggest, uh, you know, memorial altar that I can have about the fact that God has promised this over my life. You know, we, we like to keep those uh, video clips and audio clips of prophecies that men and women of God have prayed or declared over you, right? I mean, that's a good thing to do. I mean, it's a good practice. It's, if you have a note, you should write it down. If, you, if the Lord has spoken something specific, write it down with date, details and all of that and, and meditate on it. That's a good thing. But can I tell you what is a bigger memorial before God? It is, the, it is your altars that you have built when you receive that word. When you receive that word, the altar that you built, you need to take a picture of that altar or you need to take a picture of that... To, That that money transfer or whatever you did And you need to put it on your phone and say Hey, I have built an altar in this place And I know that this Is a permanent victory And the Bible says he built an altar And he gave a name to that altar And what was the name That he gave to that altar He gave the name of the Lord To that altar And he said My Yahweh is My banner he is, the, he is my banner. He is the one that flies above me. He is the name that is being represented in each and every one of my battles. So the Lord or Yahweh is my Nisi. Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is my banner. You should understand that in battles, there is this practice of carrying your own flag to a battle, right? And... The flag represents which people group or which nation you're fighting for. And it also represents what is your current state of fight. If you, if you raise a white flag, it means I'm ready to surrender or I, I'd like to talk terms of peace. And, and everything that you lift up, it has a significance. And Moses says... Here is my flag Here is my banner My banner is the Lord himself The Lord himself When he was When he had his hands lifted up With the cup of testimony With the cup of his salvation With the cup of his salvation See this rod that saved him from The Red Sea From Pharaoh When he lifted up He was saying Lord this is this is you. I I know that you are my banner in this place. And today I lift up my cup of salvation and you are my banner. And what you have done for me is what I'm going to exalt and lift up over what I can possibly do with my whole life. See, I'm going to do my part in obeying you. I'm going to do my, my part in fighting these battles. I'm going to do my part in lifting up this cup. But I know that it is not in me lifting it up But in the fact that the Lord is my banner That I will experience victory Amen, Amen. Amen. So today we are learning the name yes. Yahweh Nisi Amen So this word means the Lord is my banner. banner So there are four things that I'd like to bring to your notice That we already read One is that this required obedience in a time of battle Okay, For you to walk in a revelation of Yahweh Nisi, you need to walk in obedience. You cannot be disconnected with the voice of God and expecting the breakthroughs and the fruit and the blessings of Yahweh Nisi in your life. Second, you need to be elevated in a time of battle. You cannot be fighting at the same level that everybody else is fighting. If the other person is fighting with words, you cannot be fighting with words. You need to elevate your level. You need to climb to the next level. Amen? Amen. The third thing is you need consistency in this battle. You remember that whenever Moses' hands were pulled down, or whenever he got tired and he put his hands down, the Bible says that Joshua... Lost or Joshua ended up losing that battle. So it required a level of consistency. It required for uh, an Aaron and a Hur to come and give consistent holding up of hands for the whole day for him to experience Yahweh Nisi. Amen. And last but not the least, it required for moses to testify what god had done what god has spoken by raising up a banner saying hey this altar it will be named yahweh nissi because the lord is my banner so henceforth everywhere that these guys fought battles even to a religious extent they used to actually physically believe that if god comes into this battle with us we will come out victorious Because that that was their first experience of fighting in a battle. And that is why Eli's son, you remember Eli's sons, Hophni and Phinehas? They did not have a relationship with God. But they believed that if we can just carry the presence of God into our battlefield, we will experience a victory. Because they remembered this declaration that Moses had made generations past. He had said, the Lord is my Banner, amen. I want you to visualize this. Okay, where Moses's hands are lifted up and There are two people holding Moses's hands up So that an entire generation of people out there Can have victory can have their enemies taken care of who did that for us? Jesus. Jesus You know when he was lifted up the Bible says his hands were lifted up when he kept his hands up and you know I'd like to bring the parallel between Jesus and Moses in this place you know when you read Joshua in the Old Testament Joshua means God saves it is the same name that Jesus had in the New Testament or Yahweh is my salvation or you know Yehoshua you know that will be the Hebrew way of reading Joshua in the Hebrew language and that is the same name that was given to Jesus in the book of Matthew when Je- when when the angel came and told them you need to name him Jesus Yehoshua which means God saves and just like Joshua obeyed the voice of Moses to go into this battle Jesus had to obey the voice of his father and go into this battle for us Amen. for you and for me. The Bible says in the book of Luke, chapter 22 and verse 42. It says, He is praying. Who is praying? Our Joshua is praying, our Jesus he is praying, and he's saying, Father, he is talking to his Moses, and he's saying, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet, what do I want? I want your will to be done, not mine. He, he's confessing this and he's saying, Father, I want to obey you. I want to do what you want me to do. And just like Joshua obeyed Moses, the Bible talks about how Jesus, he obeyed his father. Why? So that a generation, not generation, an entire humanity, past, present, future, can experience freedom salvation forgiveness because of what this Jesus would accomplish for us when he would have his hands lifted up amen the next verse chapter 23 verse 33 it says and when they came to a place called the skull this was a hill it was called Golgotha in the root word and it and it says that when they came to a hill called Golgotha there was a, it was a place of elevation they, it says they nailed him to the cross. You know the death on a cross is one of those only deaths other than the death of hanging, where the person is lifted up, is elevated, he is in a higher plane than everybody else's, so that everybody can look on the person that is being crucified or being killed. And the Bible says... That is exactly what Jesus did for you and for me. They nailed him to the cross on that hill called the skull or called Golgotha. And the Bible says, and the, criminals, and the criminals were also crucified. One on the left and one on the right. You have to see the irony here, okay? Moses had two helpers. Moses had two guys who were going to stand on the left and the right and help him keep his hand up. And here did Jesus have two guys who are going to stand on his left and his right and criticize him and mock him and is going to question him and is going to do everything to test his consistency, to pull his hand down. You know, Moses had two people to hold his hands up, but Jesus had two who will actually try to pull his hands down, take him off of the cross. You would see that in the upcoming verses. Give me the next verse, verse 34. It says, and Jesus said, this was Jesus' declaration of love. It says, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers, they gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. You remember that Moses, he made a declaration in that, in that season of victory. And in the same way, Jesus, he's making a declaration here. He's saying, Father, forgive them. Go ahead. Verse 35, it says, The crowd watched. And what did they do? The crowd and the leaders, they scoffed. And what did they say? He saved others, they said. Let him save himself. If he is really God's Messiah or the chosen one, why can't he just save himself? This is their efforts to pull his hands down. Pull him off of the cross where Moses had an Aaron and a Hur to keep him up, Jesus was surrounded by people that would try to pull him off of that place of victory that he was fighting for you and for me. The Bible says in the next verse that the soldiers mocked him too and they offered him a drink of sour wine. Verse 37, it says that they called out to him saying, if you truly are the king of the Jews, why don't you save yourself so see Jesus was tried for claiming to be the king of the Jews Jesus was condemned for claiming to be the king of the Jews and all the soldiers they were making fun of saying "Are are you serious you are a king where is your army where is the people that should fight for you where is your glory look at you if you are a king why don't you save yourself why don't you help yourself The next verse, it says in verse 38, that a sign was fastened above him with these words. This is the king of the Jews. So do you remember what Moses said? Moses said, the Lord is my banner. Now here is a banner that is lifted up over Jesus. Here is a name, here is a sign that was mentioned about Jesus. And it says, here is Jesus, the king of the Jews. What did this banner really mean? What did this declaration over Jesus really mean? See, for Moses, it meant that God is going to come to fight our battles. But what did this declaration that Jesus is the king of the Jews mean to the people that were looking at it and the people that were seeing it and the people that were watching it, what did it mean for them? The Bible says in the next verse that one of the criminals that that was hanging beside him scoffed. When he saw the name, when he saw the title that was given, the Bible says he scoffed and he said, so you are the Messiah, are you? So, If you are truly the Messiah, why don't you save yourself and while you are at it, save us also. So what this guy is saying is that this sign, this banner that was above the name of Jesus, it represented to him that Jesus is his Messiah. That is what it meant to him. When he saw that this is the king of the Jews, how he read it as is, this is the person who is supposed to save me. I cannot be saved by myself. He has the power. He has the authority to save me. Amen. That was the banner that was lifted above the name of Jesus. And that is what Jesus did by his lifting up. The Bible says that nobody can come to the Father except through Jesus. And Jesus said it like this. He said, when the Son of Man is lifted up, The Father will draw all men to Him. When the Son of Man is lifted up, the Father will draw all men to Him. And that is what Jesus did for you and for me. That's what Jesus did for you and for me. He became our banner. He became our banner. He had a banner that was written over Him by the people and He became our ultimate banner. He became our Yahweh Nisi. Today, we cannot lift up a banner that is Higher than the banner that Jesus himself is we enjoy and experience Yahweh Nisi when we grow in a relationship with Jesus if we do not have Jesus we cannot experience Yahweh Nisi because Jesus made Yahweh Nisi personal and possible for us the Bible says in the book of Colossians chapter 2 it says you were dead once upon a time because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ for he forgave all our sins. Amen. Verse 14, how did he do that? He did this by cancelling the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. So what Jesus was doing is that every charge, every banner, every accusation that is written on our foreheads, that is written over our lives, everything that people have spoken over you, every time somebody has called you a failure, every time somebody has called you a, a thief, every time somebody has called you a, a, you know a name. See, you should understand that these three guys that were being crucified, the accusation against him, Against them were written over their heads Right And what was the accusation against Jesus That he said that he is the King of the Jews In fact they didn't like the fact that They wrote king of the Jews They went and requested to get it changed To see if they can re- say He said that he is the king of Jews Not that he is That he said or he claimed To be the king of the Jews So this was the accusation against Jesus Because of which he died Now look at me Look at yourself. Each of us have something written over our lives. Something that somebody has spoken over us. Which has become a banner over us. Wherever we go, we carry that invisible banner over our lives. And that is a banner saying, hey, you are never going to experience healing. You are never going to live a fulfilled life. Your marriage is never going to be good enough. Your career is never going to take off. All those things that the enemy has spoken over you has falsely accused you of and sometimes truthfully accused you of. Some of the things that the devil says is actually right. You know, some of the things that you know, we are accused of, we have actually done them. But the Bible says those that are truthfully said about you and untruthfully said, everything, everything, the Bible says this is what Jesus did when he became our banner. He took all of our banners and what did he do? He nailed our banners, the record of charges, the testimony, whatever was written about you. You remember, God told Moses to write this out for generations to hear. And what did Moses do? Moses built an altar. Amen. And he said, Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is my banner. Amen. So whatever was written about you, whatever was written against you, see, when you speak something, when you say something, it is as good as it being written in the book of heaven. Because the Bible says, not a word that you have spoken will fall to the ground. You will be either condemned or even acquitted by the words that you speak. Every word you speak here on earth, it will be shouted from a rooftop. You know you know what you have said in private you know what you have said in your moments of disbelief you know what you have said over yourself over your children over your husband over your finances when you did not when you were not in your right state of mind but the bible says jesus took them all and he nailed them on the cross that was a record against you it may be somebody else that said that about you but it was a record against you it was prophesied or it was curse it was a declaration of over your life what jesus did was that he cancelled that record and he nailed it to the cross he cancelled it and he nailed it to the cross and he said hey you do not have this negative banner flying over your head anymore you do not have this banner that you are a failure, that you are a sinner, that you are a drug addict, that you are an adulterer, that you are a murderer, that you are a ha- You do not have this banner over your head anymore. I have nailed it to the cross for you. Oh my, I, I pray and I hope that this will become a revelation for some of you. When this becomes a revelation for some of you, you will refuse to accept what people say about you. You will refuse to accept what people say about you. Sometimes it can be very discouraging to hear what people say about you. Because some of that is truth. The truth hurts more, right? Than lies. But the Bible says that when Jesus died for us on the cross, 2000 years back, that accusation that was said against you, where it was right, it was true that you were responsible for it. But the Bible says Now, you do not have to carry that anymore because the banner of accusation against you, every record of charges against you has been taken by him, has been carried by him. Everything, whatever has been said about you, whatever people are still saying about you or whatever they are going to say about you tomorrow, today, you can hear some of that and walk away like it never even happened. Because in God's dictionary, it actually never happened. Do you know that you may not forget your sins, but God forgets your sins? How is that possible? How is that possible? You like it or not, you, you, you want to believe, I am somebody who has never done any wrong thing in life. <laughs> please, please understand what I'm trying to say. I'm saying that because you will never be able to prove it. You stand before any court of law, you will not be able to prove it. Why? Because the Bible says God forgot that. God forgot what I did God forgot what you did when Jesus, the Bible says every record of charges that were made against you, every banner that was flying over you every negative and positive and every declarations that were declared over you, the Bible says he took it away by nailing it to the cross when he became our banner verse 15, the Bible says In this way what he did is he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities he shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross everything that caused shame to you has been shamed by Jesus everything that you everything that was a negative thing for you man today you don't have to be ashamed of that anymore because Jesus has shamed your enemy Jesus by his death Every person that is lifting up their finger against you don't worry about them he has already shamed them on the cross. You may feel ashamed by what they say don't worry but it is it is there's no reason to be ashamed because Jesus has put those voices into shame. Amen. The Bible says that he in fact disarmed the spiritual rulers. Which means if you will not believe what Jesus has done for you then you are giving armament or you're giving weapons for the spiritual rulers to continue to have dominion, authority and power in your life. So if you don't believe what I'm telling you this morning, you will continue to remain in slavery to demonic powers. But if you believe me that you do not have to be affected by that anymore. That is your past. That is your history. I have had people come and tell me hey, you have no idea what I have gone through. From my childhood, I have been abused. From my childhood, I have been mistreated. From my childhood, I have been stolen from. Hey, but that's not who you are today. That's not, that's not your identity anymore. Jesus has already canceled the record of that. Jesus has already taken it out of your life. So if you believe that, then you can walk in freedom. If you don't believe it, then you will continue to give power to other demonic forces that is going to Continue to fight you continue to have access into those areas of your life and this morning My prayer is that all of us will walk out of this place as believers Not as unbelievers as people that trust in the cross of jesus The bible says in second corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. Come on read it with me loudly 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 one two three go but thank god. but thank god that he has made us What did he do? He has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. See, every every person that would go into battle in the old days, when he would come back from battle, this is what he would do. When he would come, he would come with a, a whole lot of plunder and people that he has captured in that time of battle. The Bible now says that you and I are his plunder. When Jesus won that victory for us on the cross, we become his plunder. It says, but thank God because he has made us his his captives. Now we are slaves not to that voice of the enemy. Now we are slaves to the opinion of God over our life. Now we are no longer slaves to our circumstances. Now we are no longer slaves to our past. Now we are no longer slaves to our poverty. Now we are slaves to Jesus Christ. Come on. You know, sometimes we, we think that being a slave is a bad thing. And, uh, and the, the question to be asked is, who are you a slave to? It's, the question is not... Are you a slave or are you free? The question is, who are you a slave to? If you are a slave to Jesus, that's the safest, the most glorious, the most beautiful thing to be. The Bible says, Paul says, I am a slave to righteousness. And here he says, thank God because he has made me his captive. I am a slave because when he won that victory for me on the cross, when he erased my banners, what he did is he released his banner over my life. And everything that has his banner, his title over, it belongs to him. So today you and I, we belong to Jesus. Today you and I, we are following. We are a triumphant procession. We are in a triumphant procession. You know, from Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday, you are walking in a victory chant. You're walking for Jesus. You are living to make him known. The same words going ahead it says in the next line that because he's leading us in this triumphant procession now he uses us his captives his slaves he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. A sweet perfume. You remember that the psalmist said, I will cry out to the name of the Lord, then I will lift up his salvation, and then I will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Now here, then we see Moses, he did the same thing. They were in a time of need, Moses gave an instruction, and then they lifted up the cup of salvation, and then was the uh, you know, altar built where the name of the Lord was Declared over that altar. Then we see Jesus did the same thing. Jesus obeyed and and he he, At one point he cried out to his father saying if it is possible take this cup of suffering away from me And then the Bible says he became our cup of salvation. He became our banner He lifted up his hands and he died for you and for me on the cross. Amen Cancelling our banners and cancelling the record of our charges. Now, what is he doing? Now, with your life and my life, he's bringing out worship. Yeah. It says with everything that we do, what, what is happening? Everywhere we go, there is a sweet perfume of the knowledge of Christ because of your life and my life. Now, there is worship happening because of you and me. Our lives become worship. Not just what we give, not just what we sing. Our lives become a worship, spreading the sweet perfume of the knowledge of Christ Everywhere we go. And somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Let's read this out as a declaration. Amen. I enjoy Yahweh Nisi because of Jesus' obedience, Jesus' elevation, Jesus' steadfastness, and Jesus' declaration on the cross. You and I, we experience the fact that Yahweh is our banner because of what Jesus did for us. Because we believe that Jesus obeyed His Father. Because we understand that Jesus was lifted up. Because in spite of being tempted to give up, He was steadfast. He kept His hand up. He did not walk off the cross. And in that place, He declared, Father, forgive them. In that place, He declared, It is finished. It is done. It is completed. And because of that, today, you and I, we enjoy Yahweh Nisi. Now, you and I, we become... The sweet perfume, the sweet perfume that can spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere we go. And today, this Jesus is the banner that is flying over this house. This Jesus is the banner that is flying over humanity. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4 that there is no other name. Somebody said, No other name this is Peter preaching this sermon he says there is salvation in no one else God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved other than the name of Jesus the name of Jesus became our banner Acts chapter 2 in fact this is him recounting the prophecy of Joel that we studied last month Joel chapter 2 also said the same thing but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord they will be saved Amen. Are you ready to call on the name of the Lord this morning? Are you ready to say, I am going to trust in your obedience, in your elevation, in your steadfastness, Lord, and in your declaration over my life. I believe what you said, that, that when you took the nails on the cross, I believe, I truly, truly believe that my past is wiped away. I believe that I have been forgiven. I believe that I have been set free. Thank you for downloading today's sermon. We hope this ministered to you and your family today. Connect with us at dreamingrevival.com and you are welcome to join in to any of our Sunday celebration service at 11am or you can tune in to our live stream at youtube.com slash God bless you and have a blessed week.